0: Come on, stay on your feet for a second. God, we're declaring today that we receive your freedom. Come on, come on, guys. We need a real freedom, right? Come on, dance like the weight has been lifted? I'm so, so tired of hearing and seeing a church, not necessarily here, but that we say, dance like the weight has been lifted. We're kind of like... Golf clap, you know. (laughs) Come on, we are set free in Jesus. Somebody, come on, we are transformed. We are healed. We are children of God. And that changes everything. So, Lord, we give you all praise this morning. And we thank you that you are the one who defines us. You are the one who gives us your blessing, your love, Lord. so we receive all that you are in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody can sit down. All right, listen, I'm going to skip uh, the uh, picture of the fam, <laughs> we're going to move right into the word of God. So if you have a Bible, and you should, sorry, that's like old school right there, but um, you're going to turn to 1 Peter 2, 11. Now look, I'm just going to highlight the beginning of this verse, and we're going to talk about the fact that we are aliens in this world. All right? So it says this. I love this first word. This is kind of from classic, amplified Bible, classic edition, Somebody say beloved. Somebody say beloved. They got to say it like that, beloved. You know what I'm saying? So it says, beloved, I implore you as aliens and strangers and exiles in this world to abstain from sensual urges and evil desires, the passions of the flesh, your lower nature that wage war against the soul. Come on now, we're talking about, we're talking about, I'm going to focus mostly on those first few words. This isn't going to be a chapel that's mostly uh, con- consumed with this sexual side of things. There'll be a little bit in there because we're going to be talking about our identity, our identity as aliens in this world. All right, so number one, this world is not our home. This world is not our home. And I'm telling you guys, we have a whole world, the church is included, who has tried to make this our home. But this is not our home. Come on, we are aliens, we are foreigners, we are strangers in this place. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? Somewhere, anywhere. Like, have you ever felt like anybody raise your hand? If you felt like you not belong somewhere, maybe you didn't feel that way about NCU sometimes. I don't know. We the the enemy is always trying to drag us off to our own uh, to be alone and say, "Oh, you're you're different than everybody else. Nobody else has experienced the pain that you've experienced." And you know what? We all have unique situations, but we are together at North Central University. We are a family here, and we have we belong. But. I, I got to tell you about a situation where I didn't belong, all right? Now, I, I'm not going to say I'm not an athlete, okay, because I can, I can keep up. I can definitely keep up. I love to play some football, backyard, that type of thing. But when I was in middle school, all right, seventh grade, I tried out for the football team at Blendon Middle School, in Columbus, Ohio, actually Westerville, Ohio. Any Ohio people in the house? All right, so that's where we lived when I was in middle school, and I made the team. But I have to say I was probably the littlest guy on the team, probably. And they had me on offense. I was, I was the wing back. I don't even know if that position exists anymore. But really what my role was, President Hagan, was to, carry, to bring the plays in. <laughs> the coach told me the plays, and I ran in and told them what to do. And they just said, go down on the end down there. We'll, we'll do the play. Occasionally the ball did come to me. Then on defense, I was the safety, the last line of defense, right? So one day we're having a scrimmage with our own team, right, our offense against our defense, and I'm in the back, way in the back as uh, the safety. Now, one thing you have to understand is that we had a 300-pound big man who was in eighth grade, okay, and he was our fullback, all right, so a lot of times he doesn't get the ball, he's just blocking, but this time they gave him the ball and he broke through the line, and he broke past the linebackers, and he (laughs) broke past the cornerbacks, and all of a sudden, it was me and this big man, and he was coming at me like this, and he put his head down like this, and I was like, come on, baby, let's go, let's go, and so he put his head down, I put my head down, and the next thing I knew, the coach was picking me up off the ground, right, you know, and he came over to me, he said, Dio, which way's up, and I was like, That way, you know, but the thing was, now come on, give me some credit here. I looked to the side, and my big man was also getting up off the ground. Somebody, come on, somebody, all right, all right, all right. So, but I wasn't sure maybe football was still a good thing for me, so I was planning on continuing eighth grade. But four days before eighth grade, I I also like to do BMX biking tricks, all that kind of stuff, jumping my bikes, wheelies down the road, that type of thing. And we set up a ramp on the sidewalk, and there were five foot blockades on the sidewalk, and we would have people laid down on the sidewalk, and we built a ramp, and we would go down to the end of the sidewalk, and we would come down as fast as we could. We'd hit that ramp, but we'd jump over people about 20 feet, about four of those five-foot sections. Thankfully, this one day, there wasn't anybody laying down. I was just jumping my own bike by myself. Well, when I hit the ramp, the ramp broke, and I went like this, like that flying through the air, Superman, you know, and I don't remember any of that because I fell on my wrists and my head, and I blacked out, and then it turns out that I actually broke both wrists and my collarbone, all right? This is four days before eighth grade football camp, so you can imagine that I didn't get to play football that time. Then, if you fast forward After the casts came off, it was time for wrestling season. And this is my second year in wrestling. I jump into wrestling. About a month in, I'm down on the mat. We're having a practice uh, match. And all of a sudden, my elbow just goes like that. You know, the other way, right? And I broke my elbow. Guys, at some point, you have to realize that you just don't belong. You know what I'm saying? Like, at that point, I was like, I think I'm going to go do something else. I'm not going to be. I'm breaking too many bones, having too many collisions. But that's how it is in this world. Think about this. I was to sports like you are to this world. You don't belong because this is not our home. You know, we should always be and we should remain uncomfortable. There's this weird thing. Some of you guys feel like, well, I'm really uncomfortable in this world. What's wrong? I'm trying to fix it. But I'm here to tell you today that I don't think you have to fix that because you are supposed to feel uncomfortable in this world because this world's not our home. See, the whole world is trying to figure out a way to make this place feel right. It's not supposed to feel right. This is not our home. Come on, somebody. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. In fact, I would say this. Put this on the screen. If you find that you are comfortable on earth, you may find that you could never be comfortable in heaven. Come on, somebody. We got to loose our hold on this world and have this world loose its hold on us. We are tethered to this world and we got to stop. Number two, we are not of this world. This is just a continuation of this idea, but in John 15:18 through 19 it says this. Jesus said, "If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it." Come on somebody. Some of you may feel like you actually do belong to this world. Maybe it loves you. Maybe you love it back. But that's not God's plan for our life. Come on. But you, the Bible says, but you are no longer. Somebody say no longer. Come on, this is past it. Say no longer. All right, guys, I got I to hear some sound from you here. Say no longer. no longer. There it is. All right, we got it. We got it. We're no longer a part of this world. And then Jesus said, I chose you to come out of this world. So it hates you. Come on, this is the normal thing. It's supposed to be uncomfortable on this planet. I tell you, the whole world is obsessed with trying to make this world the best possible place it can be. Now, look, I'm not against us trying to make things better, right? Hear me on that. I'm not against trying to love each other more, all right, and be equitable to each other. Come on, somebody, we've got to increase in those areas. But so many people are obsessed with trying to figure out a way to make this world heaven. But it wasn't meant to be heaven. This world is broken. This world is cursed. And there's nothing that man can do to fix that. I mean, I I look from the politicians to the environmentalists to the tech designers. Everybody's trying to do something to make this world better. If we could just have one more version of the iPhone, life would be better. It would be so much better. Actually, I don't think it is. We're so tied up with all the things involved with tech, we can't even focus on what is most important. I remember there's a dude named Walt Disney. Ever heard of him? He had this idea back in 1966, right? Disneyland, Disney World. Everybody, anybody ever went to Disney World? Come on. Anybody? Anybody? Disneyland? All right. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. In 1966, just three long years before I was born, thank you very much, back in the 1900s, Disney announced his intention to build Epcot. I don't know if you knew this, but it's actually an acronym for Experimental Prototype Community of tomorrow Epcot because he had this dream he desired to make a city that was like a utopia he's trying to figure out a way to make it the best possible he his hope was that he could have a, a, a prototype city that would be a utopian where 20,000 residents would be and they could show the rest of the world how to live I see the same thing with governments, right? Governments all have their ideas. Like if we could just make the whole world socialistic, everything will be okay. If we could just make the whole world democratic, everything will be okay. I got news for you. It's not going to be okay until Jesus comes back and gets us, destroys this earth, and makes a second one, right? The Bible says he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to bring us back to what we're supposed to be. This is not our home And we are not of this world. In fact, C.S. Lewis says it this way, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Come on, there are desires in your heart that cannot, will not, should not. It's impossible for them to be satisfied. There's a longing in your heart. You feel it every day when you wake up and you're trying to find something to fulfill that longing. And we get it. It's cliche, but Jesus is the only one who has a key to unlock your heart. You ever seen one of those key rings that had like a thousand keys on it? You're trying to figure out which, which one opens the door, right? You're going through the whole thing. This one, this, and this, and none of them open the door. That's what we're doing. Where We have all these worldly keys, and none of them are going to open your heart. Jesus is that key, and he will unlock your heart. Number three, we must not let this world define us. Look, if we don't belong to this world, then we cannot let it tell us who we are. That's, only job. That's God's job. In fact, we're going to declare that today, that we're no longer slaves to fear. Come on, somebody. But we're children of God, and that makes all the difference. It's not just a nice song. It's not just a cliche phrase. It's the truth that changes everything. I'm going to look quickly at a passage that you may or may not be familiar with. Romans 1, 16 through 32. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but let me summarize. You know, it's interesting because I used to think, President Hagen, that this was the homosexual passage. I used to think that this was, because it's one of a couple different passages where it makes it clear that homosexuality is not right. But I realized this is not the homosexuality passage. This is the darkened minds passage. It tells us how we got there. Let me summarize for you. It says this, people suppressed the obvious truth about God. We suppress the obvious truth about God. Then people knew about the amazing God, but they refused to worship him. This is happening today. People began making up ideas about God, making up their own gods. And then as a result, may say, as a result, as a result, their minds became darkened and confused. Romans 1 we'll put it on the screen. It says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like, making up our own gods. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Believing that they were wise, people became utter fools instead. People people began worshiping God's creation instead of God. How unthinkable is that, that God makes things that we are in awe of, whether that be people or mountains or oceans or whatever, experiences. We worship the very things that God created instead of the creator. It's unthinkable. So what did God do? This is against God's heart, but at some point, he said, I just have to abandon them to what they want. It's basically him saying, I'm going to give you the right to have what you want. Now, this is a very difficult thing because God's will is that none should perish. But at some point, your will overtakes and says, hey, I don't want you. I don't want what you have. I want this world instead. And at some point, he just takes his hands off. He says, okay. You can have what you want, even against my own heart's desire for you, because I want you. So then, as a result, people began doing many, many things that were corrupt and evil. What things? Well, it goes through a huge, long list. Sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, misle- malicious behavior, and gossip, backstabbing, haters of God, disrespectful, proud, boastful, disobedient to parents. Pause. Okay, I'm just saying. All right promise breakers, liars, those who are heartless, those who are not merciful. And yes, even sexual immorality is listed in there among the things that should never be done, the Bible says. Check this out. When we let the world define us, we end up doing things we would never dream of doing, and we end up becoming things we were never meant to be. Because of darkened and confused minds, you can literally believe that you hold the truth in the palm of your hand. But because your mind is darkened and confused because of refusal to worship God for who he is, God takes his hands off and allows you to go the way you wanted to go. And then our minds become darkened and confused. We're hoping today to reverse that curse. And come out of the dark and into the light or back into the light. Let's go to number four. Ben, you guys can come. Here's a statement. Only God has the right to say who we are. Now, this may be a conflict for you. Man, I don't know. What about my feelings? What about what I think about who I am? It's like any product Right? If, if, if someone makes a product and then sends with it a, a, a manual, a handbook, and says, hey, if you do this, the product will work right. If you do this, the product will work wrong. We don't write letters to the maker of, like, let's say a hairdryer, for example. Have you ever seen that little white tag on a hairdryer? What does it say? It's like, do not use this in the bathtub. <laughs> and you're like, how dare you take away my freedom? I can use the hairdryer in the bathtub if I want to. Yeah. I- Yes, you can. But we understand that the maker of the hairdryer is not trying to hurt you. He's trying to save you. The maker of you and me is not trying to hurt you. He's trying to save you. Can we just declare today that we trust the Lord to decide who we are? He made us and he knows who and what we are. I like to say it this way. You know, I've heard people say something like this. You know, I'm, a, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And while I appreciate that, I'm not going to declare that over myself. I'm not a sinner I do sin, and when I do, I repent. But I'm not going to label myself a sinner. I'm a son of the Most High God. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm not a sinner. I am a child of the King. I'm not going to define myself or label myself by my past. The old has gone, and the new has come. Help us, Lord. I'm not a sinner. I do sin, and thankfully for the blood of Jesus, and when I repent, he... Heals me. But he also empowers me through the spirit to stop sinning. To find that way out in every temptation that the Bible tells us about. What about this? What about our feelings and our circumstances? I'll put this slide up there. There's a bunch of things. I'm mean, going to want you to like look through those, but number one, we are not anxious. We have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians two sixteen. We are not depressed. We have joy, 1 Peter 1, 8. We are not fearful. God's love drives out fear. You know what? You might feel fear, and that's okay. There are logical things to be afraid of, but the Bible tells us that we have not been given the spirit of fear. Come on. God has given us his spirit. He gives us peace in the midst of the storm, and his perfect love drives out fear. How many of you are willing to let go of fear, even in spite of logical circumstances? When we serve the God, if the world cracked in half and everybody's life came to an end, he can put the world back together and bring everyone back to life. He changes everything. While we're not worried, We just bring it to God in prayer, Philippians 4, 6. We're not emotionally or mentally sick. Guys, I'm sorry, but hear this, right? The Bible tells us, Philippians 4, 7, that Jesus guards our hearts, our emotional health, and he guards our minds, our mental health, with his peace. We are not hopeless. God gives us each a purpose. And I would say this, we are not defined by our natural sexual desires or appetite. We are supernatural, right? We have died to our earthly sinful nature. 1 Timothy 1.10. We guys stand with me this morning. We're gonna take a few minutes here and this is what I wanna do. As the band continues to just play lightly, they're not gonna sing, but I'm gonna invite you every single person in this room to find a space in this room. Could be down here, could be back in the corner, wherever it is, but to find a place. And what I want to do is put that other slide up there with all the scriptures on it. I want to put that, which is already up there. (laughs) And I want you to begin to maybe get down on your knees, get on your face, whatever. But then I want you to look at that screen and I want you to declare these things over your life. Say, I am not anxious. I have the mind of Christ. So can we just begin to move around all over this place? Find a spot up here. Let's come. We have a few minutes. I just want us to linger just for a few minutes. Find a spot somewhere in this room and begin to declare these things over your life. These are the truths of Scripture. This is who God says you are. And we need to agree with these things. We are declared children of the Most High God. So, Father, I declare this over these students, Lord, that you would awaken our hearts to who you say we are. And, Lord, we're just going to reverse this curse by coming and worshiping you for who you say we are, that our minds would become truly enlightened in your spirit. Father, would you help us to be restored? Just take a few minutes where you are and begin to declare these things over yourself.